1: This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, John Yetman, the Association for Enterprise Growth. And our guests today include Amy Bilsky, President and CEO of Ripple Effect, followed by Lauda Huerta-Migas, who is the Executive Director of the Association of Children's Museums, followed by Osiris Hoyle, President and CEO of District Taco, and David Yanninson, who is the Managing Partner of Rockhammer Talent Solutions. Let's get to know our first guest first who is Amy Bilski, President and CEO of Ripple Effect. Amy, what is Ripple Effect? What are you guys doing?
2: We're a professional consulting firm and we support the federal government and um, mm-hmm. some nonprofit and, and private clients.
1: And how, how large or how small is your firm?
2: We're about 150 people.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, you're 150 people and you're, and what, you're a communications firm?
2: So, we provide um, program management, policy, communications, and research support for the federal government.
1: Mm-hmm, interesting. It's about 150 people. How'd you get a job with this company?
2: I founded the company about 15 years ago.
1: You founded the company? All right. And it's 150 people. Where are where you from originally?
2: Rockville, Maryland. How many
1: brothers and sisters? I have one brother. And tell me, what, uh, what did mom and dad do for a living?
2: My dad was a community superintendent, and my mom was a school teacher
1: a uh, community superinten- k- superintendent of schools. Mm-hmm. So your dad was superintendent of schools and your mother was a teacher. What grade did your mother teach?
2: She taught fourth and fifth grade.
1: huh. And what'd you learn from your mother who was a fourth grade teacher?
2: I learned t- definitely to be organized mm-hmm. and that I should go to school every single day. Mm-hmm. So I had lots of perfect attendance.
1: <laughs> you had perfect attendance. What's that have to do with running your own business?
2: Well, um, I think that You know, you have to be there every day.
1: Mm -hmm. So you know about tenacity and keep it going and, you know, no goofing off.
2: No goofing off, for Uh sure. Not in my family. (laughs) And
1: how about your dad? What did you pick up from your dad?
2: He was a leader and definitely a mentor to me. He was always talking to me about the hard decisions he had to make and how he made them.
1: Around the dinner table, you guys would be talking about decisions he had to make and stuff like that?
2: Yes. Huh,
1: interesting. So what was going on with you about sixth grade?
2: About sixth grade, I was diagnosed with leukemia.
1: You were diagnosed with leukemia. Did you realize how um, significant that was at that point in time?
2: I didn't really understand until I was older. I just knew that my dad says um, we've got to do this and you've got to live.
1: Your dad said you've got to do what?
2: So chemotherapy, you know, it went on for about three years. I had to take medicine and go to the hospital, to Children's Hospital very f- frequently. How
1: would that make you feel?
2: It was hard and but I all I knew is I just had to keep going. It was just about going forward and looking forward.
1: Would would you learn from your cancer that does it have anything to do with your life?
2: Well, life is not always easy. You know, being an entrepreneur, for example, is not always easy. There's ups and downs and you just got to persevere and that tenacity and moving forward.
1: Uh-huh. So um, what, what else did you learn from, your, uh, from that period of time? What else did, how else did that shape you, that period of time? What else did that do to you?
2: A lot of people tried to coddle me and take care of me and make sure I was okay. And I was a little frustrated by that. I said, I can do things. I'm capable. I can push through. So I've always not wanted to be like, overly helped um, and you know, push
3: myself through this.
1: So you, you're you able to step up to the plate. You've got the guts and the courage to step up to the plate. John?
3: What do you hear your dad telling you every day? You've got this. <laughs> you got, and how does that affect how you uh, handle yourself at work or you interact with mm-hmm. your employees?
2: Sometimes we have to um, focus on something or move to something that not everybody understands or believes in and just constant focus on that goal and making us move towards that goal.
3: How about what your mom taught you as far as being organized? How does that sort of uh, translate into your business? Mm -hmm.
2: I think um, her focus on organization, obviously having a good company is about being organized and methodical and thoughtful about how you do things.
1: Mm -hmm. David, what are you thinking?
0: I was just asking You know, how did your experience with cancer relate to your work-life balance with how you treat your employees?
2: Um... I'm not sure that um, I've really thought about that in particular. Uh, We value work-life balance at the company, but it's more about that everybody has a different path to being successful at the company, so we offer lots of different options, so it's a personalized experience for each employee.
1: What do you mean it's a personalized experience? What are you talking about? There's a job description, you do your job, you hit your goals, or you're out of here.
2: Well, we have different professional development paths, because as you can tell, I love learning. (laughs) We have different benefit packages, different time off, lots of flexible options for employees. Why do you do that? Because I think it's the workforce of the future is gonna demand it.
1: The workforce of the future is gonna demand it. So you've got a lot of empathy, don't you? Absolutely. Where'd that come from?
2: Well, (laughs) probably all the things I went through in my childhood, it was hard. And I can understand where that, you don't always know everybody's story.
1: You don't always know everybody's story. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, different people have different things, both personally, professionally, you know, um, that, that they need and that they want support for.
1: Ah, so you're sensitive to everybody as an individual, and that's what one of the reasons that you're bringing these different programs to the office. How's your turnover? Do you have a lot of turnover in the business?
2: Well, ironically, we do have some turnover, but it's because we believe in helping people succeed in their career. And their career may not always be with us. If they figure out that their career is something else, we help them get it because we support them as individuals.
1: Oh, my gosh. You're all about the individual. Laura, what are you thinking? What's on your mind?
4: My question is, through all that persistence, how do you take a break? Yeah, I'm
2: not really good at that. <laughs> Tenacity
4: and always moving forward
2: doesn't always equal breaks, but I'm learning as I get older and wiser.
1: <laughs> what do you mean?
2: Well, um, I have always been a little over-scheduled and had a lot of things going on at the same time.
1: <laughs> uh huh. So you uh, you uh, keep yourself busy. You keep yourself pretty I, occupied, yes. and turning. I'm trying it to
2: off? get the most out of life.
1: <laughs> why, why, why is that?
2: Well, because I was so sick and almost died, you know, you kind of look at life very differently.
1: What do you mean? Tell me more.
2: Well, um, you know, I guess, you know, facing your own mortality, even when you're young, you know, you think there's only so many days in this world and you want to do something with every single day you have.
1: And why, why does, why why don't you go to Tahiti or something? Why does business fit into your life like it does?
2: It's about creating something. So, um... I always thought that there was a better way to do business, so when I got my first job, I thought there's a better way to do this, and I wanted to create something better.
1: What was your first job?
2: It was in a consulting firm that did similar things to what I'm doing now.
1: And what did you think?
2: I thought that there was a better way to support individuals, to help them learn, to help them grow.
1: And that's why you started your own business? Yes. Because you wanted to do things better and different. You wanted to create? Yes. When you were a kid, 8 to 14, were you, what were you doing? Were you creating things? or what were, what were I come from
2: a family of artists, so we're very creative and like to create things. Well, like,
1: Give me an example. What were you creating, 8 to 14?
2: Lots of paintings. My houses are full of paintings myself and my family made.
1: So you see a parallel between painting and building a business of 150 people? Yes. Tell me more about that. What do you mean?
2: Well, it's, um, you know... Everything affects how a business is run, to how the office is designed, to how people are supported, to the type of work that you do, to the story you tell to others about what your company does and how you do it.
1: Really? So you think it's like your business is like a painting for you, the colors, the shapes. It's a, Huh. How about that? I never realized that. John, what else do you think? One other
3: question? So it hear? seems like you love what you do. Do you see into the future? If you ever left the business, what would you do?
2: I have no idea.
3: <laughs> so now t- you're organized, but you haven't thought that far ahead. Else. <laughs> so <laughs> you'd always be creating.
2: I'd always be creating. Yeah.
3: What else would you be
1: creating? What else are you are thinking?
2: I, I, well, I have started painting again, so I definitely like that. I've been, uh, my side job has been decorating houses lately.
5: <laughs>
1: really? Yes. Um, and you're doing that uh, for fun or you're doing that for money?
2: I'm doing that for fun.
1: Uh-huh. Folks. Do you have any paintings at the office?
2: I Well, I specifically chose paintings at the office that were not the, you know, successories type of paintings. They're paintings of nature and art and because uh-huh. I think that it just inspired
1: me. Did you uh, did you paint any of the paintings at the office? No. Okay, so you brought them in. And uh, what's the best part of your day? What do you enjoy the most?
2: I, f- I love solving problems and figuring things out in different ways that people haven't thought of yet.
1: So where'd, you, where'd that come from?
2: I think it's definitely related to the creation and overcoming challenges. It's, it's connected.
3: Mm-hmm. John, what were you going to say? Yeah, so you, you've you been successful. You've had a tremendous amount of experience. If you could meet your 10-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself?
2: Wow, that's a hard question.
3: I know, that's why <laughs> I ask it. But I know you, you can overcome that challenge.
2: Um. That you can do it to not doubt yourself.
3: Give me
1: that again?
2: You can do it. Whatever you put your mind to, don't doubt yourself.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, you certainly had quite a number of challenges when you were a kid. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, if we were doing a good interview, what, what didn't I ask you that we should have asked you? you covered uh, a lot of the good well stuff? Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> this is probably, you know... Talking and, and, and speaking is probably one of the things that makes me the, the most nervous. So you probably ask me every question. That oh, you did a good job. What,
1: what's the website address of your organization known as? Uh, RippleEffect.com. Ripple Let me have that one more time.
2: RippleEffect.com.
1: We've been speaking with Amy Bilsky, who's president and CEO of Ripple Effect here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. It's ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, we'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name and organization is?
6: My name is Leslie Collins. I'm the executive
1: director of Discovery. And what is Discovery?
6: We are a nonprofit that mobilizes tens of thousands of engineers in their communities to reach out to young students and introduce them to what engineering is.
1: Why are you doing this? Why why is it so important to you?
6: It's important because engineering is the future and we need future generations of innovators. Unlike science and math, engineering is generally not taught in schools. So kids are not introduced to engineering and parents and educators don't know what engineering is or what engineers do.
1: So you're introducing kids to the very practical applications of what engineering is and what what it can do for them.
6: That's right, and what it can do for everyone. It's a very helping profession, and that's one of the messages that really resonates with kids, that you are going to help a lot of people if you design a safer airbag, if you design an earthquake-proof building.
1: And how do you do that? You do this by having existing engineers reach out to the kids?
6: Yes, we provide all kinds of volunteer resources and hands-on activities that a volunteer can use. We have lots of educators who use them as well. There are many programs for science, but we really specialize in engineering and the engineering design process, which is a thinking process.
1: So you're helping kids really appreciate what engineering really is, the practical applications of it. You're exposing them to it through adults that are engineers.
6: Yes, through role models, too. It's, it's especially important to have the role models, and we are trying hard to raise the bar for the numbers of women and underrepresented Excellent. minorities what in is the, engineering. What
1: is the website address of this organization?
6: Discovery.org. Let me
1: have that one more time.
6: Discovery.org.
1: Discovery.org. And your name again is?
6: Leslie Collins. And the
1: name of the organization? Discovery. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special?
7: Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia.
1: National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization?
7: Um, The conference center itself has 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land.
1: Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh And what's your role in the organization?
7: I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur.
1: Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility?
7: Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive committee members and a, and a full uh, staff of two hundred and ten do their daily jobs.
1: So, how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis, or daily basis, or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a
7: weekly basis, on a full house, we'll have uh, nine hundred per night, um, seven nights, uh, sixty three hundred, which translates to about twenty thousand meals a week.
1: Wow. And uh, your job, are you working 9 to 5, or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that?
7: No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you wh- wh-
1: what do you enjoy
7: about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients. They're wonderful.
1: So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Th- they are there for some
7: form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such.
1: So you're you're, well, you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you?
7: We are. Uh-huh.
1: What's the website address of this organization?
7: ConferenceCenter.com. Let me have that again. ConferenceCenter.com.
1: And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Lauda Huerta, my guests, who is the executive director of an organization known as the Association of Children's Museums. Lauda, what is the Association of Children's Museums? What are you guys doing?
4: We are the Global Professional Society, serving and advocating for the work of children's museums.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. How many children's museums? How many countries?
4: Uh, We have over 300 children's museums in 30 countries as part of our membership.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Why don't you go do something else for a living? Uh,
4: I have done everything else, um, but there's nothing else that I want to do. Why? Uh, Because I get to be the uh, head cheerleader for children's museums and their work around the world. Mm -hmm. Where were you from originally? I was born in California, but mostly grew up in San Antonio, Texas.
1: You were born in California, but you grew up mostly in San Antonio, Texas. Tell us about what did your grandparents do for a living?
4: So, uh, my grandparents on both sides did spend time as uh, migrant farm workers in Where? California and Arizona.
1: Where were they from originally?
4: So, my father's parents are from Mexico, uh-huh. and they're all Mexican American.
1: Uh huh. All right. Asiris, didn't you have a question?
4: Yes. Um,
8: Lara, how does it, did it feel growing up in America, being Latina?
4: Um, well, it felt like my life, because that's how it always was, but it was like living in two worlds what do you Uh, mean every day what do you mean um my home and my family was very mexican very proud of being mexican um and understanding that the world outside in school and business did not necessarily look like or operate uh, around the values we had in our home
1: give us an example about the values that you had in your home and how you got them and what are you talking about there
4: so, some of the values in our home is definitely around family and family as a unit. And that's our very first social well, network. Give
1: me, give me an example. Like, did somebody say something to you or did you used to do certain things or what?
4: Yeah. Well, obviously, the food would be different than most of the kids I was going to uh, school with. So, for us in our house, mac and cheese was a special night. We didn't have Taco Tuesday. Um, I actually had friends who came to my house and called their mom and said, Mom, they have tacos here every night.
1: Wow. <laughs> so uh, wasn't there something that happened? Uh, John was talking with you earlier in the green room, and there was something where you ended up being a crusader or something like that. I'm wondering, uh, what was that crusader thing about, and where'd that come from?
4: So, yeah, I think that's the story about um, my middle school crusade against... Um, dress code regulations what was that
1: about tell us about that
4: so uh in junior high our administration uh, put in a new rule against wearing uh, ripped jeans and exposing your skin Mm -hmm. and uh, my friends and I were having none of that because it was mostly being enforced uh only against girls Uh uh-huh So we decided we were going to wear our ripped jeans but with tights underneath Uh because we wouldn't be exposing our skin.
1: What was that all about? Where'd that come from? What was was going on there?
4: So it just seemed very unfair um, Uh and I was brought up with a really uh, deep sense of justice uh, in my family about Uh doing good and treating people fairly.
1: Wow, yeah, you really got a huge dose of um this thing about ethics and fairness and what's what's right and what's wrong, didn't you?
3: I did. Uh-huh. John, so you said that um you know you learned how important things are outside the classroom. Yeah. So how did that sort of translate into what you're doing today? Perfect question.
4: So I sp- also spent a lot of my time um as a child playing music. I played piano and oboe. And uh, performed and competed, uh, et cetera. And that was really my driving force for success and persistence as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, what was? Music, my instruments.
1: So you were you were playing and you were performing? Yes. Uh huh. What did you learn from playing and performing? I think you mentioned piano and oboe. Yeah. That has anything to do with building this association of children's museums?
4: So. All of that happened outside of school Um, oboe did happen in school but Mm -hmm. it wasn't part of my academic achievement and anybody could do those things you didn't have to be a genius what's the difference what's
1: the difference between school and a museum is that the right question
4: sure sure yeah because you can't fail a museum visit
1: tell us more about that what do you mean
4: so, uh, especially in children's museums that are designed specifically around children's developmental needs, um, when a child walks into that learning space, they are empowered and know natively exactly what to do to get the most out of that space for inspiration.
1: Eight to 14, what was empowering you?
4: So, my music was really empowering me.
0: Uh huh. David, what are you thinking? What are you you passionate about outside of work?
4: I am really passionate about the same things I am at work, uh, which is uh, justice and creativity. Um, But at home, it mostly comes out in uh, cooking.
1: Is that justice thing have anything to do with the Latino thing?
4: It absolutely does. Like what? What are you telling? What
1: are you talking about?
4: So um, I definitely was treated differently as a child in the classroom. Um, because of my background. I saw my peers um, of different races and certainly different socioeconomic classes treated differently by teachers very explicitly and I couldn't believe how unfair that was.
1: And why how's that motivating you to uh, be the executive director of the Association of Children's Museums?
4: So the great thing about children's museums and all museums is that um, they have the opportunity to be much more equitable. The visitor is in charge of their success in that visit and their own inspiration.
3: Mm -hmm. John? Louder, you said that your job is the most fun job on the planet. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Um, Well, I get to talk about
4: the incredible work that our members do every day creating playful and joyful experiences for children and families.
1: Do you ever get to visit a children's museum?
4: All the time. Uh, do, you, do you feel
1: like a child walking through those museums?
4: I do, and it's incredible. I also have a four-and-a-half-year-old, so he is my secret shopper and the luckiest child on the planet. So
1: you're telling me that you watch your son walk through these museums, and it tell, what's that do to you? What's that, what, tell me more about that.
4: So it reminds me of how magical and special childhood is and how every child is enjoying and learning in the same way.
1: Well, you're all about fairness, aren't you about creating an equal playing field
3: very much mm-hmm. La- Lauda, You uh, can you talk about your grandparents? You have a lot of creativity. I think maybe you got some of that from them
4: well, yes, they um, I feel like I come from a long line of people who hustled and they came to this country with very little uh, and not a lot of access to the systems of success and they have propelled every generation forward.
1: You think a museum can do that? A children's museum? I do, I oh, do. What do you mean?
4: Um, children's museums can create spaces where families, uh, both the adult and the children, are feeling empowered to learn, enjoy, and to have really iconic bonding experiences. And we know that parents see bringing their children's to muse- children to museums is an investment and it's a point of pride
3: and it seems like it's a level playing field right everybody it can be get, can get whatever they want out of it right yes
4: and we do our best uh, to make sure that everybody has a chance to get to the doors
1: what's the, what's the website address of this organization known as Association of Children's Museums
4: our website is children's museums dot org let me
1: have that one more time please
4: children's museums dot org
1: been speaking with Laura Huerta to my guess. Who is the executive director of the Association of Freedom's Museums here on Executive leaders Radio? We'll be back in a moment right after this break. One help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar
9: that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver eight dollars worth of care.
1: And what kind of clinic is this? Who are you? Who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do?
9: So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64, who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this
1: thing about the math again. Give me how that works.
9: So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver. You know anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients.
1: Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of healthcare down and therefore
9: multiplying the dollars. And making one of of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest.
1: And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you tell me you had a couple of healthcare challenges yourself? What were they?
9: I have, I've had four open heart surgeries and Mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What would you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. family – all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope, uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. This is John Shuhart.
10: Joining us for our Business Spotlight is Barry File. Who are you with, Barry.
11: I'm with Celebrate Fairfax, yeah. a five hundred one c three nonprofit in Fairfax, Virginia.
10: And what do you do with uh, Celebrate Fairfax?
11: I am very fortunate to be the president and CEO of the organization. So, what does Fairfax, or excuse me, Celebrate Fairfax, do? We have a mission to celebrate Fairfax County and its communities. We serve the one point one million people who live in the county, and all, as well as all the people who uh, visit and work there.
10: So, uh, what do you enjoy about working at Celebrate Fairfax?
11: It is the best job in the world. It is. We come to work every day, my team and I and we get to prepare and plan and produce events for 75,000, 100,000 people. And we treat them like, we think of them like like they're our our friends. So So we get to come in and just plan great events for them.
10: What makes those events so special?
11: We try to be unique uh, within this region especially, but we're always trying to stretch the envelope of what people expect from events. People go to events because they want to have great experiences, and for us, we are always trying to give them that return on investment because they're not giving us necessarily a lot of money when they come to our event, but they are giving us their time and their energy, and that's an important thing. People want that ROI back.
10: So did you ever think you'd be doing this when you were a kid?
11: No, never. I I think that when I was a kid, I, w- I, was, I was building things, designing things, and somewhere along the line I fell into events and realized that it was a natural extension for me, that I just loved producing things. So what
10: was it about being a kid that led you to this?
11: Um, I think that it was just the challenges that were there. I always tried to figure out solutions to problems that didn't exist, and uh, that's what we do now. It's, it's the same principle.
10: So when did you first start overcoming big challenges as a kid?
11: Uh, I think I always was. Uh, I think that uh, I lived in a household with two older kids, parents who had their own things going on, and I think for me I just always uh, tried to find my own way. What's your website? Our website is celebratefairfax.com.
10: This is John Shewhart, and this has been your Business Spotlight.
11: We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio.
1: This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Osiris Hoyle, who is the president and CEO of District Taco. Osiris, what is District Taco? What are you guys doing?
8: District Taco is a company um, that has 12 stores right now and with 400
1: employees, um, and we sell tacos. You sell tacos. 400 employees, 12 stores. And uh, where are you from originally? yucatan mexico and how young were you when you came to the united states i was 17 years old and you came with family members i assume about was by myself you were by yourself and when you came to the united states what was your first job dishwasher washing dishes in a you restaurant. were a dishwasher and what got you motivated to start your own business
8: well family i got laid off in 2008 and um and
1: i needed to do something so you do? so what'd you do I opened a taco stand you're telling me you ended up with four you're at 400 employees in 12 stores and you started off with a taco stand after getting laid off and coming from Mexico at the age of 17 that's right uh-huh tell us about uh, what was going on eight, eight to 14 years old what was it like growing up in uh, Mexico what was the environment like um, the environment in Mexico um, is, is is different than here
8: um, what you do know, you know I grew up on a farm and we needed to create our own toys. And I, I started working at a young age when I was um, 11. Doing what? Um, selling newspapers, um, popsicles on the street, and flowers.
1: You were selling newspapers and popsicles and flowers on the street mm-hmm. when you were 11 years old. That's correct. Uh-huh. Tell us about mom and dad. What was going on with mom and dad?
8: Well, my dad had some um, alcoholic problems and hard worker and definitely he they you know they taught us to work really really hard john
3: yeah Sarah, So you say you created your own toys w- what do you mean what were they well
8: yeah we uh in mexico we tend to be very creative and we usually work with sticks and plastic bottles you know um and just with whatever you know uh with kites for example we create our own kites you know, from so what, is it, so what does that tables? have
3: to do with? How does that translate to building twelve stores and four hundred employees?
8: So, um, as a, since young age, I you know I've been very creative and trying to figure out you know something that makes me really happy, right? Um, and, and you know, like I said before, like here in America, the kids learn to play with Legos. You know, in Mexico, you know, creating my own toys from sticks and. You know Plastic Was my Legos
1: Laura what's your question
4: So I want to know How you went From 17 years old In a dishwasher To learning the system To build your business
8: My business partner Is extremely smart And um, And he Created his business before So I always learn From different people That are smarter than me In fact I work with people That are smarter than me You know um, And um, And It's just I, that's the way how you do it. Mm-hmm. David?
0: You said earlier that your parents never said you did a good job. I mean, how did that push you forward?
8: Um, I I really was waiting for it. all The time when I was meeting and taking him to each restaurant, I, w- I would sit down at the uh, table with them and just waiting for that moment that they would say they're proud of me. And unfortunately it came until the seventh store. Um, um, it really, really broke my heart. I was really, uh, um, I was crying inside because I, 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 you know, they're really dry and I, we never got something like that when young growing up. So
1: what happened when what happened when the at the sixth store seventh store what what happened what was this with shift there?
8: I'm really not sure.
3: Um, I don't know.
1: They said something to you. They recognized the success you were having at that point.
3: Probably, yeah. Uh huh. So you have a lot of momentum now, Uh right? Amy, what's your question there?
2: How do you know when you're successful?
3: You know, um,
8: really, I I never know I'm successful just because um, when I get up in the morning, I just want to go and accomplish my my goals. Um, It's it's really hard for me to um, think that I'm successful because, I mean, if you don't have a goal, right, you're never going to get there. So Because once after you finish one goal, there's another goal.
1: So you keep raising the bar. That's right. It sounds to me like you're doing yourself what your parents did, do you, Louder? <laughs> what are you thinking?
4: I'm wondering what other people around you would say. Describe your success.
1: Yeah, even though you don't necessarily know that you're successful, what do you think other people think of you?
8: Oh my, I, I don't know. I, it's um, you know what I'm really drives me is um inspiring people. You know because. Um, Wait when
1: a minute. I you have 400 employees in 12 stores. You're telling me that you don't know that you're successful and what drives you is inspiring people? Tell me more about that. That's interesting.
8: Growing up poor, coming to the United States when I was 17, you know, and not even I didn't even finish my high school, right? And I'm i a person that I can relate with other people and, and I put my, my feet on their shoes and I always tell them that they can do it too. If I can do it, anyone can do it,
1: you know? you you get turned on by telling people that totally your own people yes you're telling me people in your own organization you get turned on by supporting them
8: that's right Mm -hmm.
1: how many brothers and sisters do you have i have um one
8: brother and and a sister Uh are they aware of your success um yes i
1: yes Mm -hmm. have they said anything to you
8: no my brother works with me um i give him part of the company. and um, my sister's in Mexico City. Um, my parents still in Mexico.
1: Would your parents have been to your, have your parents been to your office or your restaurants? Yes, many uh-huh. times. And are they aware of how successful you are? I think so. Uh-huh, have you, do they know what kind of car you drive? Uh, I st-
8: yeah, yeah, I still, um, I have a branded vehicle district taco branded vehicle
1: (laughs) Uh, you drive a district taco branded vehicle why don't you just buy yourself a nice bmw or something
8: because if my team is where is driving a branded vehicle what i need to ride a a bmw you know if i am i'm part of the team i'm not you know someone that is just um created a company and you know i can just walk away No, if i'm going to be the role model for them i have to
1: do the same things they're doing so outside your office it doesn't say president or CEO with your own parking I don't space. even
8: have an office uh-huh. we ran out of space so um, I work a lot on a district Tacos since we have free Wi-Fi and in um, you know so while I'm eating my tacos I'm working and making a lot of phone calls while I'm driving and in the conference room you know in the office is where I work
1: uh, I got a question. You, so for lunch or for dinner, do you really eat tacos? A lot of them. I eat a district taco maybe twice a day, every day. Do you like the food there?
8: It's, I always told my my wife, it was if someday I was going to create something, I was going to create something that I really love. What are
1: you talking about? I thought you do things for money.
8: <laughs> no, it's all... It's all love and, and, and what passion. Do you, what and do you
1: love about a taco though? I don't understand. Well,
8: it's my roots, you know, it's when I where I grew up and it's my mom's food too. My is my mom's recipes, you know. So um I really like the uh, the food. So you really like
1: the food. Does your mother know that you stole a recipe? <laughs>
11: yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh huh so you're married?
8: I am, I yep. have three children.
1: Yeah. How uh, how old are your kids?
8: my my son um he's 11 my daughter's nine and my other son is five
1: what's the similarity between being a dad and being the uh, ceo of district taco with 400 employees what's the similarity
8: you know it is there's where i have a really hard time because um i want to be a great parent right i'm not saying that my parents were not great for me but i want to just tell my kids every day that i love them very much and in fact when i'm driving home i keep to remind myself that I gotta walk the house and tell my kids that I love them. Um, and it, it is hard, you know? I mean, I've been working since I was a little kid. I've been an entrepreneur since I was a 10 years old. You know what I mean? So, for my kid to get up in the morning and, and not be able to walk the dogs, it really bothers me, you know, mm-hmm. because um, he's growing up in an environment where he has it all, right?
1: Mm-hmm. as opposed to feeling like he's earned it or what do you mean
8: exactly i mean i want for for him to understand you know that there's um other sides in the country uh, in the world that people don't have what we have so we're very blessed to be in america
1: wow and you bring that to work also don't you the same stuff you're doing with your kids at home you're doing at work where you're really treating your folks that work with dignity and respect you're helping them with their own you're helping inspire them as well aren't you
8: absolutely um we have this benefit at work that if you uh, want to learn different language we pay you for your school um we have um benefits you know health insurance for one case and all that
1: and why do you do that
8: because it's fair you know it's um when i came when i work at these restaurants um you know, I felt like I wanted to go to school, but I couldn't go to school because I couldn't afford school, and I didn't have time to go to school because I was working 70 hours a week.
1: Wow. So as opposed to uh, buying a really nice car and a fancy dancy home, you just keep on giving back and inspiring. What's the website address to this business known as District Taco?
8: DistrictTaco.com.
1: DistrictTaco.com. And we've been speaking with Osiris Hoyle, who's the president and CEO of District Taco here on Executive Leaders Radio. Give me the website address one more time, please.
8: DistrictTaco.com
1: And uh, we appreciate this, uh, Osiris Hoyle, joining us. President and CEO of District Taco here on Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back in a moment right after this break.
12: I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District.
1: And what is the Boston Business Improvement District?
12: We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet. The first satellite. All were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston.
1: How, how old is this organization?
12: We're just, just shy of six years old.
1: How long have you been there? How long have you been uh,
12: almost six years as well.
1: Did you found this organization?
12: Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did
1: mm-hmm. you do that?
12: Well, the the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why,
1: Boston. Why does it turn you on? Why is your gig turn you on?
12: <laughs> people. I mean, we the 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 ability to connect people, and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that we have incredible minds in the washington dc area and Boston is as i said the epicenter for the smartest people in this area so
1: your job you're like the master connector
12: i feel like the mayor of of Ballston, the mayor of innovation because that's uh-huh. what's happening
1: so your idea your, th- your thought is in order to create more stuff in order to launch more businesses in order to cause more good it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people Exactly, and you like being in the middle of all that. I stuff. Oh, we
12: love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting.
1: So it's all about the people, and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Hell
12: no! It's a lot longer <laughs> uh-huh. than that, baby. So
1: do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah,
12: sure, sure.
1: Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. It's
12: Bostonbid.com, and, and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app.
1: Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more time.
12: Bostonbid.com.
1: It's B-A- Give me the spelling on
12: that. dot com.
1: Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Bolson Business Improvement District. And this has been your Business Spotlight Back in a Moment. And your name is Ray Briskuso. And Ray, what organization are
5: you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is
1: Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do?
5: We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies.
1: Uh huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen. That's correct.
5: We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, sound, stage, and lights are there. Your registration process works.
1: And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science
5: industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why, why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, we found that the best way to produce a high quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers, it's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them.
1: And are you doing this nationally or regionally?
5: We do it nationally. We're continuing to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America.
1: And how old is this
5: company? Uh, The company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. And Mm -hmm. Next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Uh,
1: So you've you've been building this ever since. What
5: do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm -hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. What's the
1: website address for this organization?
5: Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. And the name of the organization again is? Life Sciences Conference Group. Life
1: Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. One help building your business with help from this show's CEOs. Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on this show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow. Assuming you've ser- you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with the unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now email mentors at executive leaders radio.com, That's mentors at executive leaders radio.com To hopefully match you, with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back, you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce David Janinson, managing partner of Rockhammer Talent Solutions. What is Rockhammer Talent Solutions,
0: David? So we're an IT staffing firm that specializes in finding talent for both federal uh, government integrators as well as commercial clients.
1: And how large or how small is this firm?
0: We're about 65 employees.
1: And how'd you get a job with it? I
0: was one of the founders.
1: And where are you from originally?
0: East Meadow, New York, on the south shore of Long Island. Was uh-huh. Is that a fancy, dancing neighborhood? It's not. It's a lower middle class. Mm-hmm. And how many brothers and sisters do you have? I am an only child. An
1: only child. So, what makes an only child special or different?
0: Uh, well, a lot of time by myself for one. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for me, it was always about you know going to meet friends and keeping myself busy. G- g- tell me more about that. What do you mean? So, you know, when you go on vacation, you know, I didn't have a brother or sister. So, you know, my mom or dad would say, hey, go meet friends. You know, we're going to be over here. Go figure it out. Go ahead. So what happened? What would happen? So I would do the same thing. I would go, you know, make friends, introduce myself, you know, put myself in the middle of everything. And, you know, before the end of the day knows I had 17 new best friends so what's that
1: have to do with building this
0: business It has everything to do with it for me it's it's being the the focal point you know putting my own self out there and, and showing people that hey you know you got to put yourself out there and, and wow. know, figure it out
1: what kind of sports did you play as a kid
0: so I was a baseball and tennis player
1: uh-huh. what kind of what kind of what role did you play on the baseball team
0: uh, I was I played pitcher I played shortstop I played center fielder
1: what's the personality trait you brought to the party
0: I was always the, the kid that stood up for everybody else and, and really just, you know, was one of the better athletes. And what do you mean
1: you're the kid that stood up for everybody else? What do you mean?
0: So I was always the one who always wanted to be inclusive of everybody. You know, it was really important that everybody get a fair chance. And what do
1: you do for a living?
0: I find people jobs.
1: Is there a connection there between your role in the baseball team, wanting to include everybody, and finding people jobs? I think so. What's the connection?
0: Just uh, fairness and, and just, you know, allowing people who aren't as good to get better.
3: Mm -hmm. John how young were you when you started making money
0: I was eight years old and what did you do I'd go to work with my dad on Saturdays
3: yeah what kind of business did he have
0: he owned an industrial electronics company
3: and what did he do tell you sit in the corner or
0: no he was teaching me to make cables and fill orders and tape boxes and you know anything
3: how long did you work there
0: Until I was about 18
3: and how did that experience help you and your business today
0: Well, it just taught me that every penny counts and, you know, that if you earn the money, you should save it and, you know, figure out what to do with it later.
1: Mm -hmm. Sirius, what questions you got? What are you thinking?
8: Playing baseball, uh, you know, young age, how do you feel um, you're using, you know, your uh, techniques right now?
0: Well, I think, you know, like anything else, it's all about strategy, right? It's, it's figuring out where to throw the ball, and it's no different than, you know, picking a benefits plan or figuring out who's the right hire. It's it's making decisions at the moment. You know, it may not be the best decision, but it's the decision you're going with, using your intuition, using my gut, and just, you know, moving forward and never looking back.
1: That's fascinating. So you really see a connection between playing baseball and, uh, and the business you're building.
0: Well, I think it's, you know, competitive, but it's also, you know, teamwork and, and – you know, forward thinking and, you know, everything uh-huh. that goes with it.
1: Uh, Lauda, what are you thinking?
4: I'm thinking about um, your time with your dad as a young person learning how to work, but putting cables together. Mm-hmm. And what was your favorite thing to play around with while
0: he wasn't looking? Oh, my God, that's a great question. So he used to have these little spools of wire and these big capacitors and I would set them up in the aisle and I would roll the the spools of wire down like I was bowling and I would hit the women in the back of the heels uh, with the spools (laughs) of wire and they would all scream, you know, I'm not going to say what the word is, but they would scream and, you know, then I'd get a timeout.
1: I'm glad glad I asked you that question. Amy, what what kind of question do you have? Do
12: you still play baseball now?
1: I do. I play softball on Sundays. And uh, softball, so what what, what role do you play on the team nowadays? I,
0: I am the ultimate utility fielder. I'll play any position the coach needs me to play. What do you mean? What are you talking about? So I was always the guy who could play any position, you know, and so if it's center field or shortstop or first base or catcher, I'll play anything.
1: What does that have to do with uh, building this business?
0: It, for me, it's everything. It's, you know, you're owning the business. You're You're wearing multiple hats. You're... You're the decision maker, you're the hirer, you're the firer, you're the benefits provider, you're the HR person, you're making all the decision that impacts everybody. Are your
1: mom and dad aware
0: of what you're doing nowadays? Uh, my dad is. My mom's unfortunately deceased.
1: Uh-huh. Is your dad surprised you ended up this way?
0: I don't think he's surprised. What do you mean? I think he's happy. Um, you know, He's happy that I found a level of success that he wasn't able to find yet. Um, And I think there's a bit of jealousy, but in a good way.
1: Give me that again. You found the love of what?
0: I think I found a level of success that he hasn't seen or he didn't see. Uh Um, So I think he's just super proud that, uh, you know, we got there. How
1: do you know that?
0: You can just see it on his face. What do you mean? Um, You can tell that he's proud every time he's, you know, he sees our house and sees my kids and all the stuff we have and just the ability to make decisions that impacts
3: people's lives.
1: Wow. Does he know that you appreciate him? I'm not sure. Ah, there we go, John.
3: Yeah, David, so what, what it seems like you did get a level of work ethic from your dad, right? You said you only saw him Saturday morning and at dinner time. Yeah. So how did that affect you and translate?
0: Well, I think it's like anything else. You know, he'd come home working all day. You know, we'd eat dinner together. My mom would take care of me. He would go down to the basement. And then I'd really only see him on Saturdays and Sundays. And so for me, you know, the work-life balance and the way we treat our employees to have that same balance is really important. I want to go home and see my kids every night. Mm-hmm. That's what drives kids? me. How old are your kids? I've got an eight-year-old who just turned eight the other day yeah. and a 10-year-old. And
1: a uh-huh. Similarity between being a dad and being the managing partner of Rockhammer Talent Solutions.
0: <laughs> it's, I'm a dad every day. It's, what are you, you know, talking about? just, you know, counseling people through issues, you know, just being a mentor, being a friend, sometimes just being a shoulder, sometimes it's being their boss.
1: Wait a second. Counseling, shoulder, boss. I mean, ha, ha, ha. You're t- so you are you have a personal relationship with your I people. Do. I do.
0: I can honestly say that I have a personal relationship with every employee. Um, and, you know, it's really in- important for me to get to know them on a personal level. Um, Why? Because I think that I'm in the place in my own career where I understand that sometimes the job they, that they have with us isn't the best job for them. And it's okay to tell them that. And it's okay to encourage them to, you know, to find something that's better for them.
1: But that, that's crazy. It's difficult to find the right people.
0: You're telling me you're helping your people leave. Uh, at times we do. You have to. That's right. It's the only way to help people.
3: Does some well, of that have to do with the fact that you sp- you are only child and you spend a lot of time alone, and you feel like? I think like everybody needs a friend.
11: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And so if I had to go out and make friends, I think, you know, there's a lot of people here th- who need help, and yep. you know, we're going to figure What's it out. What's the website address of Rockhammer Talent Solutions? It's rockhammerts.com. <coughs> Let me have that one more time. Rockhammerts.com. We have been
1: speak with David Janinson, who's, uh, who's the managing partner of Rockhammer Talent Solutions, as well as we've had the opportunity of speaking with Amy Bilsky, president and CEO of Ripple Effect, Dan Lauda. Where to, my gas executive director of Association of Children's Museums; Hoseas Hoyle, president and CEO of District Taco, and again, most recently David Janinson, managing partner of uh, Rockhammer Talent Solutions. I'd like to thank my co-host, John Yetman, Association for Enterprise Growth, for giving me instruction and questions. He'll be providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening; otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today, and have a nice day. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.